0: Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast, just before we start a massive thank you to however you are listening to this, we do this podcast every times a week, we don't always know which place it's going to be on, So the only way to keep your finger on the pulse is to subscribe and get some notifications, we you while you're there, right enough of that, let's talk rugby. Okay well, there's only one place to start this weekend, it's Wales! Has it a dozen turnovers now for Wales, none more valuable than that one.
1: they can just see out time and see out a huge win. A win that will
0: send them hurtling towards the top of the pool and surely mean they will top the pool. The gong goes. In Tokyo! It's Wales in Tokyo! It's only the full stages but this feels like a huge huge win and once again they've beaten the Wallabies. Okay so that was the words of Nick Mullins in the ITV's exclusive Rugby World Cup commentary and what you heard them describing was Wales's historic victory over Australia. I'm Ben James, I'm joined by Simon Thomas and Andy Howell to wade through all that. Um, gents, it's been a A nice Sunday morning, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, just went out for a sandwich now. And there's a lot of smiling faces in Cardiff City Centre. And uh, rightly so, because uh, that was a very special performance by Wales. (laughs) Far from perfect, especially in the second half. But when it really mattered in the last 10 minutes, one point in it, and you were fearing that the Wallaby comeback was going to be completed by them going ahead to win the game. Wales showed a lot of spirit, a lot of character, really dug deep in that last 10 Kind of game, Andy. We might have lost a couple of years ago, four years ago. This Wales team knows how to get victories now, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, not, that's right. And that's come from beating the Southern Hemisphere teams. Certainly South Africa and now Australia. If it's, that's the two in a row against them. It just shows that once you crack that psychological barrier, uh, what you can what you can do. Yes, Wales were holding on at the end, but um, they did their job really in the first half when they established that uh, big lead played some uh, good rugby and really dominated most of that uh, 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 first half and of course now this has set set him up for the rest of the uh, tournament they should uh, go through as group winners which could give them an easier path to the final uh, you know avoiding New Zealand en route
0: Absolutely Um, you say it's a game of two halves and it, it really was wasn't it and that first half in particular, you know, a lightning start. We saw a drop goal after 36 seconds. Wales for the first quarter were just completely dominant. A little bit of a sort of Australia clawed their way back and then we finished the second half with 10 points in about two minutes to just, you know, it, it was the perfect first half, wasn't it?
2: Well, it was because, I mean, as you say, straight from the, the kick-off, they set the stall out. They struggled with the counter-rookie of Georgia. they taken a leaf out of the Georgian book because they smashed them off the ball straight away. Wainwright at the vanguard of that. Um... Ball well, back to Dan Bigger, three points, thank you very much. And they continued, you know, with the, the try they created. You know, classic shot to nothing off a playing advantage. Cross kick from uh, Dan Bigger. Hadley Parks up against Karabetti, and Karabetti didn't uh, make the best fist of it, has to be said. in off the ground turned the wrong way. Parks left high, scored the points. Good position. Wells, and strong reward, really, for a great start. Australia came back, and then Gareth Davis's interception. He's made a habit of it, isn't he, Andy? I mean, as a, as a former scrum half, you'd have been
3: proud of that one. Uh, Gareth's got a lot more pace than me. It's <laughs> 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 for the Wales uh, team, yeah, but he has. Wales use him cleverly, don't they? Uh, they did it in last season, Six Nations and all. They use him to fire out the defensive line to put pressure on the um, uh, opposition. Halfbacks, particularly the outside half, actually. But he read this well because Will Jenner was going for a flat uh, pass to one of the props on the crash rather than passing a bit deeper to outside half, Bernard Foley, and um, and Davis picked it off. And run 65 metres yeah. unopposed. Great try, great speed, great effort. Interestingly, he almost had a second interception early in the second half. And Jenner then asked the referee if he could have a w- ask the ref a question, and Jenny, put those uh, put it down to the. Um, he said the Welsh. He claimed the Welsh tacklers were rolling into him as he was going to pass the uh, um, the ball and taking his space, which meant the pass was being uh, delayed. It's quite uh, insightful, uh, you know. And if, it, if Wales were doing that, that was really clever, uh, clever play. Uh, but yeah, you know, Gareth Davis. He, I thought he had a fantastic match today. His all-round game was excellent. That's got to be one of his best performances for Wales.
2: It was a fascinating game when you actually looked at the stats. You just kind of surveyed it at the end. They all kind of pointed towards Australia being on top. They had 63% possession and territory. They had more clean line breaks. They beat more defenders. Their line-out was 100%. They had more offloads. Obviously, the only stat that really counts is the final scoreline. And that went in Wales' favour. But the, the one stat that did go in Wales' favour was the turnovers. Uh, there'd been a lot of talk going into the game about how Wales are going to cope with the duel, you know, the pincer movement of uh, Pocock and Hooper over the ball. Well, they dealt with it really well. I think they, and they forced a lot of pressure on the Australians, forced errors out of them, negated the effect of those two open sides. And I think that Australia made something like, they conceded something like 17 turnovers. So that was an absolute key part of the game for Wales, it allowed them a foothold into the match. And uh, that's, you have to take hat off to the work that's been done on the training field because there was a worry about especially how they'd cope with poker
3: yeah many of those turnovers were from knock-ons yeah and uh, 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 Poi was the referee he was excellent at playing advantage uh, I was listening to the ref Mike and I thought he was superb how he handled advantage so Wales actually benefited from those advantages because it was far better for Wales to play on and have the advantage and go back for a scrum because you know a scrum remains a problem area for Wales it does
0: so as much as you know the first half was, was good the second half was very much sort of a case of hanging on wasn't it you know Australia had all the possession all the territory
3: Yeah, Wales line out as well uh, creaked yep. lost a few lineouts, so exactly. Wales didn't actually have too much of the ball in the second half Australia and Wales became penalised so uh, Australia were kicking you know for position but what I was going to say, say is,
0: is obviously against Georgia as well the sort of at least the scrum certainly sort of probably got worse as the game went on. We probably saw something similar today with the scrum and the line out. And as a result, Wales struggled in their second half as they probably did against Georgia. Is that a concern that maybe well, two second for- halves we've we've had S- or slow second no, half. No. You can go
2: further and back in that just right then, because the, the last group match, uh, warm up game rather against Ireland it was the same situation. The second half, Ireland really took control in that second half, and Wales were on the back foot. It was almost like a defensive sh- session for them. So that's three games in a row now.
3: Yeah, but it was the opposite in the Six Nations. Wales took control against England. So why, and, and why and, is it, and, why is, is, is it just one of those things? Wales power in scrum with the replacements. You know, they made it, they, the t- they took a gamble, didn't they? Uh, leaving uh, Rob Evans, props Rob Evans and Samson Lee, proven test operators, out of the World Cup squad.
2: And also, Aaron Wainwright was brought up. You know, quite early, but too early
3: for thought, my liking. Yeah. You know, I said he was having a huge game, huge impacts, got a massive motor. Yeah, they took him off after about forty nine minutes. Forty nine minutes, and he, you know, he just made a couple of tattles um, just before. He, he did not like he was short of energy to me.
2: I mean, it's not a fitness thing, clearly. You can tell that by the way they came back in that last 10 minutes with a huge effort, you know. I mean, fitness has shown more than anything in the defensive set. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: I don't know whether it it's focus is slightly it, losing. Is, cool. it, is it a case of, you know, you think back a few years, Gatland's teams and Wales always seem to be sort of slow starters and then they finish really well because they back their fitness... Now, given the way they're playing, is it a case of they just want to, you know, start start lightning quick, try build a lead because they're confident they can defend that lead? We've seen that today. We saw that against George. You know, yeah. You don't, you, don't, you don't want to you don't want to defend leads, but well, with, with Wales, well, it's, you
3: better feel... be de- it's better to be defending a lead and chasing a game. So I prefer that this. Um, uh, oh, definitely. This way, you know, if, if that's the case, do you know why? I think it could be Wales are, as we know, super fit, but you've got to take into account conditions in Japan the humidity, and the Australians uh, are, you know, more used to those type of conditions. I don't care how much training you do, that sort of, um, st- you know, when it, when he, the um, humidity is such and you're not really used to it, that I think that can... Uh, have a great effect on you than it would on the Australians I think there's
2: an aspect as well as the Australians started to click after about 15 minutes they started to get their platform sorted they were going forward they made changes which had an influential effect on the game Tamua came on and yeah. gave them a new directive at a fly half so they started to play better in fairness and they retained possession and they're a talented attacking team in the first half we'd seen glimpses of it but of course what Wales were able to do in that first half was starve them of possession particularly with their work of the breakdown and forcing errors out of them Australia cut their errors down. In the second half kept coming, and I must admit, when it got to twenty-six, twenty-five, after a scrum penalty, Wales were really under the cosh. You thought they're going to do well to hold on here, yep. and that's why I found the, the, the kind of the last ten minutes so encouraging that they were able to dig deep, not panic, and find their way out of the situation.
0: Respectful, so, you know, it over. was. It was smart last yeah, uh, was. smart last ten minutes. they they took a lot of the time off the clock with the scrum then Thomas Williams does really well to keep the ball in play, even even when they sort of get the turnover and clear the ball the first time round, it's not a great pass on Thomas Williams and and Patchell keeps it on the field, but the kick chase is disciplined and they don't give Australia a quarter, do they?
2: That acrobatic uh, leap by Thomas Williams, you know, it was Australia's big last chance, they had a penalty, went for distance, looked like it was going in, well... Got a picture in our room here of Jake Ball flying skyward and you, you know, a second row forward would have been happy with that leap in fairness to Thomas Williams. It was a crucial part of the game, it really was.
3: Yeah, I think what's interesting with Wales, you look at Wales now and you look at Wales, say now they've developed mentally on that belief. Look at Wales in South Africa, twenty fourteen, Niels Prutt, when he should have won that second test against there. South yep. Africa. But mentally yeah. they didn't quite believe and it got pipped at the end with a penalty try. Now, if you look at Wales today, Wales are far different today than they were then. Uh, now, yeah, because of these wins over the likes of South Africa, because they grew South Africa later that year. It was quite, it's huge psychological.
2: What was encouraging for me, though, was that they saw it home with quite a lot of inexperience on the side because Rhys Patchell had come on at 28 minutes with Dan Bigger. Thomas Williams came on. Young, relatively young halfbacks in international terms, both did very well. Special mention for Reese Patchell because that was, you know, that was the game of his life today, the challenge of his rugby career, um, coming on as early as he did. You know, we've had, we know he's had these issues with concussion, and when Karevi ran smash into him at one point, you feared for it. But in fairness to him, um, he got up and he kicked the penalty awarded against Karevi. And I think he landed five shots in all, including a smartly taken drop goal. It was a real super sub-performance. Showed real poise and control and got the points when they mattered. So a hats off to him. So that was a big, big effort.
3: Yeah, he certainly rose to the occasion. And you just mentioned the word drop goal there. You know, Wales dropped two goals in our match. How often did you see that in any form of rugby uh, these days? Simon, who's becoming... Doing, when we were younger yeah. uh, chaps covering the sport it's funny covering isn't it
2: sport. it seems to be a world cup thing doesn't it yeah. you go four years of that and you drop goals and then you get a, a plethora of them and we had you know, Yanni De Beer wasn't it South Africa you know, went at 99 right, or 95 99. sunk yeah. England yeah. so yeah, yeah well, it's a way of winning rugby matches yeah.
3: as the Welsh great Jonathan Jiffy Davis keeps saying it's an easy three points the drop goal he was a master of it mm. uh, you know two great drop goals Against Scotland, when Wales won a triple crown uh, in 1988, decisive, and you take those six points away game. today for the drop goals, and Wales have lost this match. Yeah, there
0: we go. Um, we spoke a bit about sort of how Australia clicked into gear when they made changes. Um, one of the big talking points building into this game was the fact that Bernard Foley was starting at ten, and it probably felt a little bit like. Stuart Lancaster's team selection four years ago when Owen Farrell was picked at 10 and Sam Burgess was picked at 13 to sort of counteract how Wales were sort of attacking at that point. That turned out to sort of not work well in England's favour because although Burgess and Farrell did a good job, they didn't have a plan B when things got a little bit unstructured. Do we think that maybe... Checkers sort of reactive team selection as count against them again in, in this regards well it was a mixed balance really wasn't it because Dana Helipetti at fullback had a really good game he was brought in
2: instead of Kirtley Beale, took his try ran you know good good lines good angles asked a lot of questions of Wales um, and Ashley Cooper scored a try you know and uh, He's sort of a, a quite a decent game. Certainly, for a thirty-five-year-old, you know, has had a very limited international rugby over the last three years. But halfbacks, the key, isn't it? That was really the interesting selection. I mean, Bernard Foley's not been sort of in the forefront for Australia this last year. He was brought in, didn't really work. And I think when tumua came on and took over at fly half, they were a better proposition. And Jenny, you know, wonderful player, but obviously he was he was targeted and picked off by Gareth Davis. So. Um, if there was a if there was an attempt to negate Wales that I when that happened I thought that's good because I mean a stri- we've always been worried over the years about how to negate Australia in terms of their attacking threat now if you've got teams thinking about us and changing their game to try and negate our threat that, that's a real compliment I think
3: yeah for sure I think Gatlin no uh, one well, Gatland Wales coaching team put one over the Aussies because I think the Aust- Australia picked their team to to uh, uh, more of a kicking outside half in uh, Foley, or more length on his kicks in Foley and Christian Leofano. Don't forget, played he uh, has been playing uh, recently, and they clearly um, uh, dropped Beal because of his difficulties dealing with the uh, aerial assault, which they feared uh, from Wales. Uh, Wales, yeah, did a great number on him. I think they won that uh, battle, but um, then the Australian halfbacks, both from Nick White as well, Exeter uh, scrum half came on. He really upped the tempo. And, uh, and Matt Tamua is a I think he's always thought he's a superb player but of course they benefited because Australia in our second half had a lot more time and space on the ball so Wales wouldn't quite put him under the same pressure Wales would put on the back foot
2: mm. I mean, you've got a weapon like Caravi as well carrying the ball and Kiribati as well, I mean, Wales had to be very brave physically, I mean, they actually missed 30 tackles Wales, which shows the kind of, the power of some of those Australian carriers, they, but, scramb- they, but they scrambled, scrambled. really scrambled. well, scrambled really well, there was lots of, I mean, and a special mention for me, Farlan, when jones became Wales' most capped player of all time, and um, led, once again, by inspirational example, 23 tackles. Grappling into everything, holding players up, cajoling his team—it's just the man is just a legend.
3: Yeah, the other bloke had a fantastic game today. was Justin Tipperidge. At times, he was a one man yep. team. You know, it, Wales his only shoe sure ball the lineup. It was Justin Tipbridge. and whether that was him at the front of the lineup, middle of the lineup, or tail of the lineup, he was a uh, you know up Sem- and down the lineup. Seventeen tackles, as loads well. of tackles. Yeah. He was a nuisance. Uh, you know, he was playing right on the edge. He had a few. Uh, uh, warnings of Waugh yeah. for being uh, offside and all, you know. Tipridge plays right on the edge, isn't he? and he
2: uh, he's been one of the players you know. of this tournament so far. Mm. He really has.
0: Absolutely, Absolutely. Um, very big tournament for the Ospreys captain. Uh, and let, let's hear the thoughts of uh, one of his Ospreys teammates, uh, Wales and Ospreys star James Hook, and his thoughts on the match.
1: I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast.
0: Okay, I'm now joined by uh, James Hook. James, how are you doing, first of all?
1: Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. Thanks, mate.
0: Brilliant stuff. Um, enjoy the game this morning?
1: Oh, it was a cracker, wasn't it? I think, uh, well, obviously a game of two halves, if I ever was one. but that uh, first half was it was incredible. It was almost a complete performance, and uh, obviously I'll start there off with a bigger drop goal after 30 seconds, and they just kept going. But, uh, yeah, second half, in fact, was three days. They brought their bench on and, uh, you know, for about half an hour in that second half, Wales in untouchable. but, um, you know, they showed great strength and character to to hold on to the victory in the end.
0: Is that a concern that sort of the first two games we've seen Wales start well and then second half maybe fall away a bit?
1: Oh, I don't know. I think Australia at half-time, you always knew they were going to have their say in the game and, you know, especially with the bench they had, they were always going to come off and... And they had to do, try and do something and, and throw the kitchen sink at Wales. And, and they did that. They got so much quality in the team. So I don't think that's a reflection on Wales. I think it's just a reflection how good the Australia squad is. And, you know, the, it just shows how good Wales were, you know, to hold them out.
0: I suppose looking back, you know, half time it was 23 8. And then heading into those last 10 minutes, it, it felt. A bit like those other sort of thirteen losses in a row, didn't it? You know that that sort of last minute, sort of not going to hold on. But it, it, this this very much felt like a game that Wales might have lost in the past. Um, I, suppose, I suppose it's massive strides that they they held on for the win, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. And perhaps that uh, that win last autumn against Australia, and we got that monkey off the back and. When it comes into the last ten minutes, when it's really tight, you know, there's boys in that team who've overcome Australia, and uh, I think you know, there's massive Reese Patchell getting that penalty to go four points clear, um, you know, in seventy, seventy-one, seventy-two minutes, I think it was, and uh, just Australia, you know, couldn't couldn't quite get back and and, and nick it, and uh, Wales held on. Uh,
0: you speak about Rhys Patchell. Obviously, uh, he came on a lot sooner than he would have expected. Uh, Dan Big went off for the HIA, and it, it was a nerveless performance from him, wasn't it?
1: Oh, he's brilliant! He's brilliant. You know, he's, his his first touch. I think he picked up the ball off his boot straps and uh, had an early penalty opportunity, which uh, which he struck beautifully. And uh, you know, he didn't didn't look back from there. You know, his kicking was flawless. You know, fantastically taking uh, drop goal as well. And um, yeah, he just looked really comfortable and, and settled into it uh, seamlessly.
0: I suppose it was a game in many ways that was. Um... Decided or dictated by kicks, wasn't it? obviously Obviously, uh, Hadley Parkes' try came from a kick. Ashley Cooper's came from a kick. And then yeah. what, what did you make of the kicking battle in, in this game?
1: Um, yeah, you know, obviously the two kicks for the tries, uh, you know, were very well taken. But I think Australia, you know, especially in our first half, they, they kicked quite loosely. You know, it was almost like sort of a, a little bit off the cuff, and you know, allowed Wales to sort of attack a little bit. Uh, second half, you know, they probably. They had to run it a bit more, Australia. And you saw Will Wilgenia getting involved in the game a bit more than Nick White when he came on. Um, so, you know, second half, he didn't, didn't kick so much, Australia. But um, you know, I think the, the kicks for the tries were really well taken. Dan Bigger, we've seen that so many times for him in the past. And a uh, great take, Badly Parks. And, you know, in fairness, Australia's try with uh, with Cooper was, was well taken as well. But both of those tries were off the back of penalty advantages. So they knew, you know, they uh, had a chance to go for it, really.
0: Well, that first twenty minutes Wales looked really threatening and attacked, didn't they? what, what did you make of, of, of Wales going
1: forward? I thought, I thought they were really good and uh, yeah, I noticed that as well and they probably they were attacking uh, you know, the width a little bit more than what they usually do. Um you know, a lot a lot of that mind was from turnover of turned turn a lot of ball over in that first half and so they were getting it to the width, but you know, with someone like James O'Connor, defending a defender of thirteen, you know, he's not really and outside centre he's not used to playing there that much and, and defending there is quite difficult so I think Wales have probably often spoken about that uh, in the build-up to this game and uh, you know, they did get some games there
0: uh, and as ever referees sort of tended to dominate sort of some of the headlines um, Roman uh a few contentious decisions weren't there?
1: <laughs> yeah they were they were and uh, you know i feel a bit sorry for referees sometimes and under so much pressure especially in this world cup and you know one stage he went to the tmo you know basically asking him you know what should i do for for one of the challenges i think it was the patchel um on on, on Pocock, i think it was um on that, with that challenge and yeah he just just sort of seemed a little bit lost at times and michael Checker was uh, was a bit upset with him regarding uh, the scrum at the end of the game uh he wasn't happy at all but um yeah, you know, luckily Wales will come out in the right end of it. But uh, I think referees are under a heck of a lot of pressure at the moment in this World Cup.
0: What, 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 were your, what was your general sort of uh, feeling coming into this match? Were you confident that Wales would get the job done?
1: I, I was. I was very confident. I think you know, this this squad has been building nicely for the last couple of years. Obviously winning the Grand Slam, giving them massive confidence. And like you say, beating Australia, you know, after 13 losses on the bounce. Would give them confidence. So the quality team, Australia. So, uh, I think you know they've just grown and grown as a team and, and settled. And I think Australia before this game, you know, didn't really know the the strongest start in fifteen and Wales in a completely different boat there. And, and his showed in the end. Uh,
0: uh, moving back on to Reese Patchell, just just how difficult is it to sort of step into a test match environment like that, especially when it's he, probably as inexperienced as he is. I know he's got a fair few caps, but. Rarely had many caps sort of in the, on the bigger stages. You know, you think back to that England game between them where he was targeted. Mm. Just, just how difficult is that to sort of step into that environment and then take charge of the game?
1: Yeah, it is. It is. And I think sitting on the bench, you know, I've, I've done that a few times and, you know, you just sat there, there's a lot of nervous energy because you don't, you don't know when you're going to come on or if you're going to come on. And to come on at that stage of the game and, uh, you know, you say he had a nice uh, first touch, picking the ball up with his bootstraps and then. That penalty, you know, he, he didn't just kick it, he, he struck the ball beautifully all game. And, uh, you know, that certainly gave him confidence and it's just settled him into the game. And, um, obviously, when he heard Dan Bigger wasn't returning, you know, he just uh, he just seemed to get better.
0: We also saw a sort of return to a dying Art, didn't we? Two drop goals in a match. can't remember the last <laughs> yeah. time we saw one of them.
1: Yeah, no, they, they, they're more famous now in World Cups, they the drop goals. And, you know, Dan Bigger, like I say, in the first 30 seconds, you know, just what Wales needed to get him on the front foot. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen that time and time again from him and, and Patchell again, you know, it was a great kicker of the ball. Like I say, he was striking the ball beautifully all game and, uh, you know, every single point, point was precious because, like I say, you know, that four-point buffer in the 70th minute, you know, was crucial for Wales.
0: Talk to me about some of the other individual performances. Um, Obviously, Gareth Davis was man of the match and um, mm. as much as he probably caused Australia problems with ball in hand, it was it was probably his work defensively that really, really uh, gave him headaches.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, and you know, we've seen that before from Gareth Davis. I think it was Scotland um, a year last Six Nations. Uh, you know, he scored exactly the same from pretty much exactly the same position on the pitch. You know, he's noticed that uh, you know the, the Australians are are trying to put a bit of width off. it, hit the forwards a bit wider to create that extra attacker and an attack. But you know, in fairness, they've done their video analysis. I think he referred to Sean Edwards after the game. You know, for, for sort of uh, helping him get those tries because they've obviously... Looked at Australia, how they attack, and uh, you know they didn't. <laughs> they didn't learn. You know they did it once, did it twice. He had three, three opportunities for interceptions, and uh, but you know fair play, he's got to take him, He's got some gas. You know he was onside pretty much every one, and uh, yeah, luckily enough, he managed to score off one, and ultimately he won us a game. But again, all, all game he was brilliant as well. You know just not just that. You know in attack he looked threatening, and uh, you know definitely helped to to win in the game.
0: Obviously, you mentioned there, obviously, they did the homework at the Australia play a lot off nine, but we expected them to play a fair bit off 10 as well today, didn't we, considering they brought back Bernard Foley into the fold. Um, what did you, first of all, what did you make the decision to bring back Bernard Foley? And then how, how do you think he went? And how do you think Wales dealt with him?
1: Yeah, to be honest, when I saw the team show I thought you know it was a pretty good uh, decision bringing Gennie and Foley, in, and uh, you know he's caused Wales a lot of problems over the years. Uh, you know, but two or three autumns ago, you know, he just run Wales right, and um, that didn't didn't work out for him today. And I think you know there was probably a, a little lateral in the first half, Australia, and um, that led to him being being uh, host off. I think after about 40-45 minutes, and uh, in fair, so, to that work came on, and, and sort of. Directed things a little bit better, albeit Australia had a bit of momentum, they were on the front foot, but they were a little bit more direct, playing through the line a bit. And um, yeah, you know, it wasn't Foley's greatest game, but you know, that was the way the game went. It opened up a little bit of the second half, which you know, allowed Timor to show his class.
0: Then looking forward to the tournament, this really does open up uh, the World Cup for Wales, doesn't it? Because now we're looking at topping Pool D and potentially Mm -hmm. a sort of easier quarter final, isn't it?
1: Yeah, he's looking that way. You know, obviously we have got Fiji and Uruguay, and I know Fiji, of course, has problems in the past, which we all know about and spoken about. But I think this Welsh team is is too good to to sort of uh, be undone again by by Fiji. I, you know, I hope I don't uh, put a kibosh on it by saying it, but uh, you know, we've got too much experience, too much class, and um, yeah, hopefully we can talk the group and uh, yeah, see where we go from there.
0: Because obviously, back in twenty eleven, even though Wales lost. To South Africa, that that laid down a mark for the tournament, didn't it? Um, it's probably a sort of similar sort of situation this time around, isn't it? It, it just sort of you know a big performance like this, and, and suddenly you know you're heading into this sort of seven-week environment. You know, two matches down. You know, potentially five more to go. It, it, it's a good place to be in, isn't it?
1: Definitely. And, you know, we look at previous six nations, for example, with Wales, you know, it's all about momentum and you want to get wins under your belt and obviously you know, it was a very good win against Georgia, but this was the one everyone was looking forward to and, and Wales were targeting. And, you know, what a massive victory for Wales and, and that conference is going to give the nation, but more importantly, that group of players and, and coaching staff going into the, obviously the next two pool games and uh, and that quarterfinals. So, you know, like you say, when you come to those last five, ten minutes of big matches when you know they know mentally they've they've won them, you know, just a matter of weeks ago. You know, it's gonna stand them in very good stead.
0: Obviously, now we're looking at a slightly easier draw in the quarterfinals, so there's never really any such thing as an easy draw in the Rugby World Cup knockout stages, but just how far do you sort of see Wales going now on the back of this?
1: Well, I like I say, you know, it's <laughs> a lot can happen and you know, he's he's wanna look too far ahead, but you know, we've got a squad there who we'll, we'll know how to win games. I think that's important. And, you know, we got boys in there who can score tries and uh, we've got match winners. Um, so I, I think we, we we can, of course, we can go all the way. You know, we've got some pretty big obstacles to, to overcome first, but, you know, we remain to be seen. Who we play in the quarter final, but you'd expect us to to get to the semi final at least and uh, and beyond, hopefully.
0: It's a pretty sort of big um, rest period now between the Fiji game. Is Is that. Obviously, Wales picked up a lot of knocks. That's a good sort of thing in in that sense that a lot of these boys are going to get sort of chances to sort of prove their fitness. But on the yeah. back of a result like this, is do, do you not sort of want to be sort of getting back on the field fairly quick rather than sort of waiting maybe nine days?
1: Uh, oh no. I think I think the boys were welcome to a rest. You know, nine days will soon come round, and uh, like I say, this was the one they were looking forward to. So. You talk about the physical damage, you know. Mentally, it's going to be, you know, draining after this game. So I wouldn't be surprised if Gatlin gives them three, you know, two or three days off at least, um, just to recover mentally, recover, and then they'll, you know, get back into a bit of light training and build up the Fiji then. Because I think the boys need it. You know, the effort and and, and character they put their bodies through today was uh, was immense. So you know, they deserve a couple of days off. I think.
0: Do we expect many changes for the Fiji games? obviously they've gone unchanged for the first two games, but. You'd imagine it, it's probably going to be very much the same, isn't it?
1: I, I think so. I think so. You know, they've, they've done you know the so-called hard work now beating Australia, so they don't want that hard work to to come undone. Um, you know, you saw sort of Ireland also you know, losing to Japan. You know, they didn't have Sexton in the team now. I know he's taken a bit of a bump, but perhaps he could have played, and then you know they may regret that. But um, I think Wales, you know, with a 10-day turnaround, the they got a fully trans, uh, fully fit squad and then get them out there and uh, you know this is the World Cup and we're here now so you know it's not about resting players it's about winning big games
0: Obviously one thing that's probably not been mentioned so much in the narrative of the Australia game because that sort of died down is this was sort of Stephen Jones's first real sort of week as as an attack coach in the Wales camp Th- did you see any sort of subtleties or or things in the game that he might have specifically brought?
1: Yeah no, I was thinking about that as I was watching it you know and uh, you know <laughs> I think that first half, like you say, you know, we we did we did attack a little bit wider, we got in the width a little bit, and like I say, a lot of that was from turnovers. But yeah, it'd be interesting to find out, you know, how much of an influence team Jones has had in the last uh, week or so. But you know, he he certainly wouldn't have harmed that squad. You know, he's very well liked, and uh, the boys respect him as as a player and, and our coach. So I think you know he definitely brought brought a lot to the table, I should imagine.
0: I suppose it speaks testament to sort of Warren Gatland and and just. How little that sort of that that pre-tournament blip, and it it was probably more than a blip. It was it was almost a crisis has sort of yeah. faded away now, hasn't it? it? It feels a very different sort of uh, place in Welsh rugby, doesn't it?
1: Hundred percent, yeah. And it could could quite easily have been you know a crisis, but you know a couple of days, you know everyone was talking about it, then. Is slowly blown over, and uh, I think before the Georgia game, everyone was saying, "You know, there's a lot of talk about the build-up of the World Cup and then the Rob Audi stuff." But you know, the best thing to do is go on the pitch and and do your talking there, and they did that against Georgia, and they've certainly done it today. And um, yeah, you can move forward, and that that seems at the moment a distant memory now.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think that should be plenty. I think Sunday mornings are meant to be uh, nice and relaxing, aren't they? But I don't think there's <laughs> anything but.
1: <laughs> no problem, no
0: brilliant cheers for joining us on the podcast James
1: pleasure pleasure
0: okay so that's what James Hook had to say on the match um I suppose looking forward now, suddenly Wales's World Cup path looks a lot more brighter, doesn't it,
2: after winning this one? Well, the destiny's in their own hands now in this pool, isn't it? They've got two games left against Fiji and Uruguay. And um, just as well, given how battered and bruised they probably are after that uh, game against Australia, they got a bit of a break. And I think nine days it is against Fiji. we have to wait and see what's going to happen in terms of the fitness issues because obviously Dan Bigger um, came off of the HIA, failed his HIA, um, Good that he's got those nine days. We'll wait and see how he comes through his protocols. And Liam Williams, I think you know he had um, rolled his ankle. They said it shouldn't be too bad, but obviously you know if they wanted to give him a rest, you got very 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 able replacement there in in Lee Halfpenny. Um, And interesting to see whether Adam Beard comes into the situation now because because obviously he's back training after his appendix operation. And um, also, what's going to maybe Bradley Davis has become the conversion, but I, I think. We were talking a bit earlier. I think you'd agree, Andy, that they'll look at that Fiji game. If everyone's fit, they go full throttle, get the job done against Fiji.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think so because, uh, you know, Wales don't want to slip up now and let Australia back in. Wales beat Fiji. They've won the group. Simple. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think they can have to, you know, they go f- yeah, fully loaded, get that job done. They want, you know, Wales only need a bare win in that match. No, they don't need no bonus point or anything. So... um yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Win the group, and then of course they can rest loads of players, or oh, they can rest the whole team yeah. against uh, the starting team against um, Uruguay, which was Gatman's plan originally. Yes,
2: and winning yeah. a winning a World I, Cup group yeah. is is some achievement for Wales. Yeah. We've already done it twice before, eighty seven and ninety nine. Yeah. I think the only times, and it was when you looked at the whole group's hand, isn't it? That was so important, give, give, important, given the pathway of the beyond here. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, for sure. You know, uh, we can avoid New Zealand. To me, that's key before the uh, final. Assuming Wales go on to win. This this group, uh, and possibly England. England favourites to win their group, Um, so you know Wales is lined up for a, a probable quarter final as it currently stands against uh, uh, France but I wouldn't totally discount France against uh, England because France if they uh, they will give Wales problems if they play us and uh, same as they can give England problems if they get enough ball because they got some dangerous runners and attackers and they were really good for the, a long period of that match with Argentina
2: Interestingly France's group campaign could of course we hear be blown off course <laughs> because there's um, there's a typhoon they have, they have quite a few typhoons in, in, in Japan apparently the 17th typhoon of the season is on its way and the suggestion, in all seriousness, is that um, the area where um, France are playing, due to play the USA on Wednesdays, due to be hit by heavy wind and rains, and World Rugby have confirmed that they're putting contingency plans in place. Uh, and that game might have to be abandoned if the weather is too bad, and if that happens, the the protocol, the policy, is that it would be uh, it would go down as a nil-nil draw.
3: Well, tell me this. They've got a contingency plan in place. Well, surely the best contingency plan would be to move this game as of now, not leave it for a couple of days to see where the weather is. Let's say, why don't they just say now, we're moving it to an area... Or to, um, uh, which is not affected by the typhoon oh, of course they, uh, one of the stadiums is indoor anyway why don't you just move it there
2: it's a good valid question I mean but what it does mean if it, if it was to happen and this game was to be abandoned and a nil-nil just two points each it would make made it that much harder for France to potentially win the group I think they might have to even have to go into their last game against England and get a bonus point win so it could have an impact certainly on who Wales play in the quarterfinals but I think your of a view anyway that England will beat France aren't you?
3: Yeah, I am, yeah. I think Hmm. England will beat France and uh, Argentina. I I hope I'm wrong, man, and they lose both games. I repeat the the (laughs) question I asked
2: you off off mic earlier. If you were Eddie Jones, England's coach, and you had a choice between facing Wales and Australia in the quarterfinals, who would you rather play?
3: Australia, because uh, England have got the uh, edge over Australia. They've got a fantastic record against the Australians, and uh, their record in big games against Wales is not so good.
0: There we go. Yeah, um, I think if you look at sort of the numbers, if of the four teams Wales are now likely to get between quarterfinal and semi-final, so England, France, uh, South Africa, and probably Japan. The Whoa, way that, pull, say, uh, the uh, way way that pulls, could be, yeah, the way that pulls, yeah, but scrap
3: could be a four-way scrap to go through. If that, um,
0: I if, if the I think the, the typhoon is potentially going to hit Kobe, where Ireland are playing Russia on uh, Thursday. So, well,
2: Ireland have already been hit by a typhoon called, <laughs> called Japan, haven't they? I mean. I mean, again, I mean, so far, I mean, I know there's been we've talked about it. I know there's been a, a lot of controversy over the high tackles, and it has really sort of become an overwhelming issue in some respects, and it has caused confusion. But but the actual rugby has been great so far. Yeah. I think I mean, that was that was a really good game today. Oh, Wales Australia, yeah. Ireland against Japan was a absolutely compelling and thrilling game. Even, even like Uruguay, their victory against Fiji, that was tremendous. You know, and we've got Scotland-Samoa now coming up you know after the way Scotland were were, were, you know absolutely you know brutalised really by that Irish pack I don't know what kind of state they're going to be in and that has become the fascinating group along with the the England-France-Argentina group and there's still a long way to go in this group campaign a lot of things to happen
3: yeah it could be a lot more twists and turns in our pool though Samoa have had a couple of players banned uh, so we, I don't think that'll help their cause. Also, they lost their number eight to a serious injury, or, um, so they might be a bit weakened. However, Scott you know Scotland were, were poor they've, they've against Ireland. They've lost players, and as well. so Samoa have given Scotland major problems in the past. They they will fancy that. That's a that's a huge. That's game. a
0: big. i looking forward to that one. I think the I can't remember the point. The point I was making was that obviously Japan, South Africa, England, France, they're the four teams we could potentially play between quarterfinal final and final We've played them fourteen times altogether since the we've played them twenty one times since the last World Cup, all those teams. We've won fourteen, lost seven, so there's nothing to fear. No, no. But not you talk, talked about some of the pools there. What about what about Georgia? Because obviously Georgia beat Uruguay today and they, they could still have some sort of say in pool D. Um they've Georgia got, got to play Fiji, Fiji and yeah. Australia to come up and one win under their belt. I think they will be targeted
2: in the Fiji game. Yeah. I think they would see that as a, you know, a potential game they could win um, I, I don't think they would go into the I mean, they would give, give everything they've got yeah. against, Europe, against Australia but I, I think that they I think, would, I
0: think two wins for Georgia would mean that they'd, they automatically autom- qualify yeah. for the next
2: World so that's their World Cup final down of that game against Fiji um, but you know as we say everything's been simplified now isn't it we know what Wales have got to do they've got to win the remaining two group games then it's either probably England France or Argentina or it will be one of those three in the in the quarters and then potentially South Africa in the semi-finals as well as, as a, you look at that
3: uh, as you look at it at the moment I, I, well, I'm tipping South Africa to win the tournament so I suspect that uh, you really? know, they will get to the semi-finals eh? why? why am I tipping them to win it? yeah because they've got a really good squad really good team fantastic coach and man manager Rassi Erasmus big physical players uh, against New Zealand in that Match which could have been, was worthy of a World Cup final that opening uh, pool encounter they were undone by two pieces of New Zealand uh, brilliance but uh, overall he had a better that game and they won for New Zealand if they play them again in the final
2: interesting record that bit
1: yeah, yeah, I don't just, to it, yeah. Ben would just is the same
3: as he recorded uh, a couple of weeks ago when I predicted that uh, Japan would beat Ireland. Did you say that? Did you? Yes, I did. I'm are you sure, sure about you that. You said it here and on New Zealand we'll Radio. Get, uh, I, feel like the consen- uh, I, I feel like the general consensus <laughs> you, you on this place was that. You get your recordings out <laughs> and you listen to it when I say they give them the big area. And, oh, that's not like, that's, that's that's saying they're going to win. Did. I said he beat them and he beat Scotland being yeah, consistent I, on that I, I think They're we. I think Nations we, champions and the Ups.
0: I think we all said on they were going to give Scotland a, 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 yeah, a test I, but I, I don't think, think anyone I think, think you're, rewriting, you're rewriting you
3: listen to past recordings if
0: any, any any of our listeners if you can sort of send us a tweet okay. verifying to be, that too
3: lazy to check himself there we are though he's a very busy man I might say
0: mm. well you know do what, do what I can to get by um it's a, it's a long turnaround now, isn't it for Wales? It's uh, is it They need it. Eight? They need
2: it. Yeah, because they, as I say, that was physically demanding. That game was, and they could do with the break. Now, I would say probably a couple of days off, bit of R and R, bit of seeing seeing the sights out there, and um, then regrouping for that Fiji game. And then you know, what the good thing is then that the first team. Really, gets another break then. After that, and you see the Uruguay match being the squad match. You yeah, know, players sure. have waited it's their just, turn. Yeah,
0: that is a yeah. short turn,
2: it, it, isn't It's is, is it four days between Fiji. Yeah, and I mean, Uruguay? that could be a completely different fifteen, yeah, yeah, couldn't that it?
3: Would, that would be. Even though we said earlier that Wales probably go fully loaded or uh, against um, Fiji, there might be a slight bit of tinkering. They might give someone like Beard, who does need a game. Would, would you rest Alanwin Jones? Just let him. No, no. He's the captain. He's inspirational. He won't want to be rested anyway never mm. wants to go off in a game he's so competitive he plays play every game yeah you know
2: he was immense again today mm.
3: you know if Fiji turn up it's not going to be you can't afford to be complacent if no. they turn up but, absolutely but not. if Georgia do a job on them you don't worry if Fiji were going to turn up no um, yeah
0: so I'd say it's going to be a long turnaround so we're going to have a fair bit of waiting for the next uh time we see Wales in action on the pitch but in those nine days you can catch up with all the latest from the World Cup and from the Wales camp on the podcast and on Wales Online.